0: podcast one. Hey, hands up if you'd love Elton John as a client, 100% of you, I thought so, then listen in as today's guest does have Elton as a client and he's about to explain exactly how he did it. It's a very rock and roll episode for 152, of the award-winning small business big marketing podcast.
1: Where I say, welcome to a small business marketing show where successful small business owners share their souls to take your marketing straight to
0: the lead. Now, here's your host, Mr. Timbo Reed, and welcome back to your weekly dose of marketing's top hits. I'm your host, Timbo Reed. You infinitely more importantly, are a motivated business owner ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it absolutely deserves to be. And that's exactly why this podcast has existed for the last however many years. But if that's not enough, you can also grab a copy of my popular book, The Boomerang Effect, that I wrote with you in mind at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Hey, big episode today. Longtime friend of the show, Steve Sims, explains how he got Elton John as a client. Oh, this is a good story. It's full of good little stories, too. And another listener shares what marketing is working for them and, as a result, takes home a little swag of prices in the monster prize draw. As per usual, team, there is marketing G O L D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketings HQ. So let's get stuck right in. Now, if you are a long-time listener of this show, then you'll well and truly know who my next guest is. Steve Sims is his name. If you're new, then here's what you need to know. He's the founder of LA-based concierge business, The Blue Fish, and his clients are the who's who of Hollywood and beyond. They're they're the A-listers. They are truly the A-listers. More importantly... He's the master, more importantly for you and I, he's the master of making things happen. And in previous episodes, he shared how he managed to arrange a candlelit dinner for four at the bottom of Michelangelo's David with Andrea Bocelli serenading the guests and how he managed to get an IT magnate to dance the tango with a leading lingerie model at the Victoria's Secrets Ball. Like a bit of that. Today, he takes it up Another level. In fact, I reckon another two or three levels, and explains how he got Elton John as a client, and what it was like organising Elton's Oscars after party for the recently held Academy Awards. So what he does is um,
1: he has him and his uh, husband Dave Furnish. They have a Elton John AIDS Foundation. And what this is, is a charitable group that actually raises money to find a cure for AIDS, which I will say proudly today, they actually cured the second person ever that had HIV. So wow. to say that it's actually be, it's becoming a curable disease, you know, they, they solved one person and today they announced that a second person has actually been cured. That's a massive milestone. Um, but they have a charity event every year, and it's around the Oscar weekend. It's actually on the same Sunday, and here's how it works. Here's how it came up first about. The Oscars is held in a place called the the, uh, the Dolby Theatre. used to be called the Kodak Theatre, but they changed names. There's only about, I think it's like 800 people that can sit in it. When you're looking at it on TV, looks and you've got the fisheye lens, it looks like a massive auditorium. But it's minute. And when you realise that you've got a soundstage in there and you've got these, what they call, octopus arms to be able to get the better cameras flowing through the crowds, you lose about a third of the audience. So it's a very, very small location. So what he did was he set up the rights and he got permission to do a live telefeed straight from the Oscars. He, He being this fella called Elton John, yeah. So... What what Elton John and his crowd actually decided to do was they were going to throw what they call a viewing party. So the Oscars in LA, because they want it to be filmed, uh, they want it to be uh, live in the East Coast, they do it early afternoon in the West Coast. Mm-hmm. So it actually starts at 5 o'clock in the evening. So everyone starts turning up for the Oscars at 4 o'clock, gets that seat at 5 o'clock, They're in the Oscars, and the Oscars finishes at 9 o'clock. So what Elton's party is starts at 4 o'clock in West Hollywood, which is the center of the LGBT community uh, here in Los Angeles. But they have this massive marquee that's put together by ABB Productions, which is a fantastic group. And what they do is they allow people to turn up at 4 o'clock. They walk down a similar, it's not red, we have a white carpet, get their photographs loads of vips and celebrities and predominantly all the people that are not up for an oscar so you know you've got all your uh your film stars more important well not more importantly but more um saturated you've got a lot of music tv and athletes that go so you've got the david beckhams you've got the aerosmith you've got all the latest pop stars you have got the people from you know the big hitting tv shows at the moment blacklist this is us um, a Million Lies, you know, all these different uh, major TV shows go along. So you get a much bigger crowd. You've actually got a bigger crowd at Elton's party than you have at the Oscars. How is that list put together, Steve? Well, there's two things that happen. There's a lot of supporters and people that are on the board, which I'm also on the board, um, that actually support and bring their friends. So there's a lot of... Elton's got a lot of friends. He's got the Beckhams. He's got Seal, you know, Miley Cyrus, So T- He's got a lot of these friends, okay? So the star power Elton's camp has, okay? Mm-hmm. They bring that in droves. My job is to get the high-profile people that want to come along, have a good time, pay good money to have a seat but also there open to donating further, either through the Cause Direct or through the auction items during that event. Mm-hmm. So you'll have maybe 20% of the people in that room are faces that you know. And then you'll have the rest of the people are either managers and agents of those people or bigwigs that have the money to throw around to be in that room. And that's my job. My job is to get the spenders in that room. So it's the... It's the most famous people that you don't know that have more money than some small planets. that I'm the one that brings into that room. And the party, the party goes from 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and this is the beautiful thing, whereas the Oscars goes from 5 to 9, Elton's party goes from 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and I left this year at 10 to 2 in the morning. And it was still going.
0: No doubt. I imagine it'll still be going now. How, how did He's you, probably still on. I, I want to talk more about that party, but how, how did you get that job in the first place? Because, look, at the end of the day, this isn't the Hollywood Reporter podcast. This is a marketing podcast, and I've got to make sure we get some business learnings. How do you get yeah. a client like Elton John? So it's it's actually
1: dead easy, which no <laughs> one wants to be hearing. But I'm going to tell you the exact same thing I've told you on every single podcast and every interview and every stage I've ever been on. Yes. If you bring no value to a relationship, you have no relationship. So when I saw the event years ago, and I was involved in it for like eight years before I became official five years ago, I was watching it and a lot of the people that came, like any party, if you imagine your local jeweler, and they want to to have a cocktail party to get people to buy more jewellery, the first mistake they do is they, they get in all the pretty people. Now, the pretty people come along, sponge, drink all the champagne, and then bugger off and haven't bought anything. And sadly, a lot of those pretty people, they don't have the money to be able to afford it. They just, you know, won the Jean Paul Lottery and they <laughs> look good for the photographs. So my job was... To I was looking at it, and I'm looking at it thinking, there's a lot of fluff in this crowd. There's a lot of flakes that are doing good because it's helping their social feed, but they're not supporting the cause. It's the wrong people in this room. So I went forward, and I
0: actually said to him, I said, look, you know. Hang on, hang on. Just just pause there. You just went forward and said to him, being Elton, how do you go no. forward to ah? Oh. No, so what I did was I actually
1: approached the uh, the foundation for a start. Got it. Okay, and I contacted the foundation, and I think it would be accurate to say I was not received well, because <laughs> um, you've got, you know, let's let's be blunt. Anyone that's ever seen me, you've got a two hundred and forty five pound Neanderthal walking <laughs> up to an LGBT community who going, thinks
0: just walked off a Harley Davidson.
1: Yeah, and I, I'm stood there in front of you going. Yeah, you're doing it all wrong. <laughs> and of course they're looking at me going, well, you know, he's he's not one of us. Why the hell would he why would he come forward? Um, you know, what's what's so, you know, what's he got to say that we can't, you know, don't you and there was a lot of, don't you know who we are kind of personalities in that in that room. You see, before you actually get to actually stand eye, eye to eye with Elton John, you've got to go through all the ringleaders or oh. all, the, all the key holders, all of the people that are you know, out on the peripheral, you've got to get through them. There's a lot of gatekeepers you've got to get I, through. I think we've called them Dobermans previously. <laughs> Dobermans <laughs> with uh Pink Fox. Um so that was that was the crowd I
0: had to get through. H- how? How do you get through them? Um value. I imagine Elton's got a lot of Dobermans. You talk value, just give me an example of I don't know, can you identify you don't have to name names? Feel free to. Um, two two dobermans between you and Elton, and what value you brought to them so that they said yes, you can proceed to the next floor. Well, you meet, let's let's be blunt. Let's call it out
1: for a start. There is a guy that's been married for thirty three years to the same woman with with you know piercings and tattoos and looks very much more home on a Harley than he does sitting at a desk with 13 gay people. That's you. Okay, so that is a real contradiction for a start. So what you've got to do is, is call out the elephant in the room and say, hey, I'm here and I don't fit. What's worse than me not fitting is the people that you got in your room. And I'm going to call it as it is that you got the wrong people in the room. But I'm here to give you a solution. You see, a lot of people, when they go to anywhere... They call out the problem, you know. They go for and they go, "Oh God, you're putting on a lot of weight." You know, "Oh my God, you know, you did that event. God, it was terrible. The sound system was appalling." Mm. When you go into any environment, straight away these people, especially when it's obvious that you're not one of them, mm-hmm. you know, there's a friction. And the trouble is also you're getting the puppy Dobermans, and it's they always say it's the it's the baby rattlesnakes that the bite first. You know, you're getting all of these people that they're just getting the leg in the door of these foundations, of these causes, of these events. Their job in their head is to put you down, which helps them step up. Mm -hmm. So you step in and you go, hey, if you go in and you go, your sound system sucks, you need to follow up with quickly, but I have a way of giving you superior sound system. I give you a way of enhancing the experience of your event. We are from two different sides of the table that can make what you do go from great to exceptional. And when you start going in with a joint focus, with a joint passion in making what they've got from fun to fantastical, that's when they get you on board. You meet in the middle in quite simply what they refer to as a common ground. And some of those puppy dobermans that have worked up at those ranks are now some of my closest, dearest Mm. friends because we are both fighting for the same cause. So you've got to get into the conversation showing that, hey, we wear different colours, we look different, we don't fit in so many different ways other than the sandpit that we're playing in today as a
0: joint cause to make this fantastical. Beautiful. And I'm going to look up the dictionary because I don't think fantastical is a word, but it it has a wonderful syntax to it. Uh, So so you've got through all the puppy Dobermans, the bigger Dobermans. Tell us about the moment you get in front of the man himself. Well, the man himself was probably Scott and uh, Dave Furnish
1: um, because those were the guys that run it. Those were the last hurdles before I finally got introduced to uh, Sir Elton. And, of course, I'd already been working... I'd actually been working for a couple of years for the foundation before I was finally introduced to the man himself. It was as though they were checking me out to see what I could do. So bearing in mind, my relationship with that that community was for eight years. It was only the last five that I actually became uh, on the chair, uh, on the board and actually got listed in the invites and actually got my name up on there. And it took two years of an official contract with the people before I finally actually got in front of the man himself and was able to shake his hand. I had to earn my stripes before I actually met the man himself.
0: So many business owners, Simsy uh, are impatient. That's a long time to finally crack the egg, isn't it? What do you say to those business owners that just want that instant that instant gratification, that instant result?
1: Well, the, the egg was actually... Um, was giving me was giving me protein and food before i got to meet elton and and here's probably where a valid lesson is from here a lot of people get very very impressed the fact that i've worked with elton john okay the people that worked underneath elton john are doing 99 percent of the work elton turns up to the event the menus have already been done the security so he's not looking after any of that mm. So I'm already making sure that my job is good from these people because guess what? There's about 200 people that look after that event. They also look after about 20 to 30 other events ranging from fashion shows, Leonardo DiCaprio's event in Saint-Tropez, the Amphar Gala in Cannes. They look after so many different events that if you can show your cut in that event, you end up in all of these other ones. So there's a lot of people that that said to me, oh, it was so great. You got to meet Elton. Believe it or not, I got so much more out of the event from connections, contracts, clients. Before I met Elton, Elton was very much an icing on the cake. Mm -hmm. If I had never been introduced to Elton John... Wouldn't have mattered. It would not have mattered. Profitably, it would not have mattered. Okay? Image... Yeah, it certainly helps me having some pictures taken with him and people knowing that I've been with the man. I I, I
0: almost unfollowed you on Facebook. It was getting a bit embarrassing. It was, wasn't it?
1: (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it certainly helps. But for for money, credibility, stature, distribution, and let's be honest, as a business owner, you know, we don't want to be in in one stable. We want to be able to be out in many, many different playing fields. Working with this crew gave me the credibility to be able to work in so many uh, so many other sandpits, so, so, so the tr- the trouble is, and I want I want to focus on this. Don't look at the shiny object. Look at the substance over shine every single time. Elton is definitely the shiny object, the star on the top of the tree, but the the rest of it had so much substance that I could feed from. I focused on that over the shiny object.
0: Nice, I like that. Yeah, uh, w- when you did uh, get in front of Elton, uh, whilst it was really just a, a a formality, I suppose, to finally meet the guy who's heading up this this fantastical event and all these other events. Uh, whilst it's a formality, there is a great opportunity that you could say something and completely tip the house of cards over, right? So, oh, gotcha. Yeah. Do you go into that? meeting with elton with what kind of mindset what did you want from that meeting to walk out going elton thinks i'm a nice guy or or what well the good thing is i again
1: i'd already been working with him unofficially about three years officially two years so i already had some stripes on my shoulder by the time i got there and the people that were introducing me to him um were credible voices in his ear that were able to go and this is the man that's been doing this this is the man that's been supporting this is the man that's been involved for the last X amount of years. so it's the classic referral structure that I've always played with. If I tell you I'm brilliant is marketing you know promotion, you know self self uh, uh, blow in it's all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. but if someone that you trust tells you those things, it's gospel. so with that introduction, he already looked at me as someone that was credible and a supporter and actually brought value to the conversation. Mm, nice. What's he like? He is a diva he, he, and a diva. certainly deserves to be so. Um, he's also a gentleman that really loves his his art. I don't think he likes, you know, being brutal. I don't think he likes all the pandering and the shaking hands, and I know he hates bloody photographs. Yeah. Um, you know, you get people come up to him and shake his hand and then like, "Oh, can I get a photograph?" and he's like, "No." You know, <laughs> he doesn't care about that. He wants he wants your music to resonate, but he really doesn't like the selfie crowd. He doesn't like the show off. He's he's it's funny as a major performer that he is, he hates fake showboats. So he hates all these people that turn up and go, "Oh, yeah, I have got a million followers. Let's get a picture." He's like, oh, "I could not care." No. You know? He wants to release something. He wants to know that what he's doing moves you. It makes you want to sway a little bit. It wants you to remember a location you were at. He wants you to remember or it triggers a romance that you were having at the moment. He wants his music to do all of the showboating for him and that to be there to to stand out. And let's be blunt, the guy's getting on a bit and has never since day one missed a year of um, performing. Never once he's been on the road every single year of his life.
0: Mate, I saw him in Tasmania, in in Hobart, which is a little island. Tasmania's a little island at the bottom of Australia. Steve, I saw him last year. He played only three regional towns in Australia. I'm not quite sure. I think there was some tourism promotion. He, in the fifth song, paused and he said, "Excuse me, I'm going to have to leave the stage and throw up," and he walked off the stage. Did what he needed to do, came back on stage and played for another two hours. Absol- the guy, the guy is he's one of the
1: greats. He's one of the greats, unauto-tuned, unfiltered, is what it is, mm. raw talent. Mm. He's one of the greats. You know, we had, let's be blunt, you know, you had Michael Jackson, who sadly is no longer with us. Mm-hmm. Okay. You got Frank Sinatra, no longer with us. Elton's one of the last greats. Mm. He's got one name for Christ's sake, Elton. And you exactly know who he is. And he is one of the great great greats that even if you don't like Elton John or his music, there's a tune that triggers a reaction because he's been with you all the way through your life somewhere.
0: Seems he... uh... You, you do the viewing party that's a success uh, that's on the that's during the Oscars there was another party you organized which which was the one that caught my attention although they, they all seem pretty amazing pretty fantastical you did something at the Louis Vuitton store in Rodeo Drive for Elton which is pretty amazing because from what I understand that's a three-story retail outlet with a whole lot of expensive product and you're having a party there for Elton John yeah it's uh um so to, so to be
1: accurate he's his party has about 1400 people we throw a private party on the friday night and we invite the vv vips that are going to that party um uh. every year we've kind of had some fun so it's a much more smaller event although it's just under 150 people so it's a nice it's a nice sized crowd um and Every year, we've we've had a bit of fun of where it's been. We've been in uh, the um, the foundation room of the House of Blues before it was demolished. We were on. Um, if you ever saw a, a TV show called uh, um, Sir, it was on uh, Lisa Vanderpump and her restaurant. We actually took over the restaurant and actually held the party in the restaurant, which is, was a current set for a TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just we just played with different things. And last year last year we actually took over and people don't even know it exists there's a penthouse above Tiffany uh on Rodeo Drive and the penthouse actually has uh it's got no terrace but it's got these windows above it and it looks out over Rodeo Drive and it looks across the street to a private terrace open-air terrace on the roof of Louis Vuitton Mm -hmm. and I actually I enjoyed doing it at uh, the penthouse but the penthouse was quite small okay we only had about a 100 uh, we had about um I think it was like about 40 50 people at that event okay it was a small venue small location small people uh small numbers so I actually spoke to Louis Vuitton and I said to him you know I had it over there last week uh, last year and I said I want to take over your your, your penthouse uh, your your terrace for this party the Louis Vuitton yeah, yeah, I contact Louis Vuitton is headquartered in uh, New York, so mm-hmm. I had to speak to them. Mm-hmm. And they didn't know who I was. Uh, fair enough, most people don't. You know, I'm a big deal to about 10 people in the world. Yeah. Um, so they didn't know who the hell I was. So I contacted them and I said, look, I want to do this terrace uh, party. Um, I know you've never heard of me. I'll get a few people to reach out to you. So, of course, I had, you know, Tiffany and I had some other people reach out. We've done it at Piaget. So I tried to get people that were in that kind of wheelhouse that they would recognize Contact them. We go, hey, you know, we've had his people at it, and then of course you drop a few links, show that you're actually on the list of chair with uh, Sir Elton John for the party, blah blah blah. They went from allowing me the terrace to shutting down the entire three story uh, flagship store, <laughs> and they went, it's just yours. We will supply all the drink, all the champagne. I, I stipulate that I have to have old-fashioned, so they made up an old-fashioned for me. They had an artist come in to draw on the bags, and they gave us the whole three floors for three hours on Friday night for a private party and private viewing of their new collection uh, at the Louis Vuitton in Beverly Hills. It was pretty it's sick and amazing. I have no idea how I am going to trump that uh, next year. Yeah, as I say, the year before, I had the penthouse at Tiffany. This year, I took over a three story building. So I don't know what I'm going to do. I think one next of the learnings
0: year. here, and uh, with the very first interview I did with you, it might have been the second, but you just organised an event at the Academia Museum in Florence where you had mm-hmm. a client dine at the feet of David's Michelangelo's David statue with uh, Andrea Bocelli singing between courses. When you talked about getting access to the Academia, it was really not as hard as we all thought. You made the phone calls, you asked, and sometimes it's as simple as that, isn't it? Because it sounds like I think when you were explaining it last time, not many people have asked to do that. And you know, you went through some hurdles, and but you got there. And and likewise here, I mean, it wasn't as simple as ringing Louis Vuitton and saying, "Hey, how about it?" But sometimes we just need to ask, right?
1: So here's a here's a story which is um, um, sad in its in its truth um there was one guy that i kind of got the sense didn't like me from the academia now shock horror how could you not but (laughs) the guy when i first turned up because i wanted to close down the entire museum he looked at me as this guy that just kind of spent rich people's money and didn't respect the culture fair enough this was a guy that during putting the event together i actually avoided because I didn't want the friction it was all being put together I didn't need to speak to him because I'd already gone above his head but during the event and this tells people what a dick I am during the beginning of the event Andrea Bocelli's in the corner just like you know warming warming up his uh, throat the pianos there playing his son's on his piano they're just laying the table and all the 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 candelabras and all the lights are going all the flowers are being laid out it was a beautiful scene and I'm stood there and probably about 15, to, 15 feet to my right is this guy that I could sense didn't like me. And as I say, this is me being a dick, but I wanted to just kind of like prod him a little bit. So I called him and he came over to me and I, I had no liability in this conversation now. So I turned around and I went, what do you think? And he was like, yeah, it is beautiful. It is beautiful. I said, oh, did you ever think there'd be like a table of six at the feet of Michelangelo's David? And he was like, no, no, I didn't. And I said to him, look at this. Do you ever think Andrea Bocelli would be in this serenading while they're eating their pasta? Mm-hmm. He's like, no, no. And I'm feeling chuffed with myself. And as I say, I'm admitting now that it was a dick move, but I wanted, I wanted to poke the guy because there was a few times he gave me little glances that kind of aggravated me, mm. but I couldn't say anything about it because I needed, I needed this to come off. And I thought to myself, now I'm getting my revenge. As I say, real dick move, real dick move. And I turned around him and I went, So, how come this happened? And I was expecting him to have to admit, well, no one has the connections you do. No one's just, hmm. you know, knows how to negotiate as much as you and the 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 guy just turned around, he still had his arms folded, He turned around and looked at me and he went, No one's ever asked. And it killed it. There was me trying to can I get one over him. And he just he gave me the knockout punch. And I'm like, damn. And I suddenly realized that we're all so frightened of the big elephant, the big deal, the big dream, that we avoid it like the plague and focus on the, the ones that we can settle on, that we can achieve, that we can pull off. Now that guy, we went out afterwards, we drank, we ate Florentine steak and i've stayed in touch with a guy ever since yeah fantastic Um, but i went back to la and actually commenced for about six months randomly phoning up locations venues artists celebrities that we had dealt with and i said i know we we did this five years ago i I'm, i'm actually researching something i want to ask you how come we did that and the answer came back the exact same. Well, no one had ever you know, asked us to do it or no one had ever proposed us to do it. And you got the cheeky little stuff at the beginning going, well, you know, you knew people, but it all came down to the exact same thing. No one had ever had the balls to walk up toe to toe and go, hey, this is what I would like to happen. And this is what I can do for you if you allow it to happen. So I brought value to every uh, venue, dream, desire that I'd ever pulled off But the simple fact is the first thing no one was doing was actually asking for it to happen. Not hard. No. No, no, no. (laughs) But scary as shit. A lot of people will go, oh, I'd like to throw a party on that mega yacht, but... and then they will proceed to tell you all the reasons why it can't be done rather than the one reason why it should.
0: Hey, going back to your party uh, at Louis Vuitton, uh, clearly uh, it went beautifully well L- the, the, oh, the yes. quid pro quo for that uh, Steve, just to understand, was that um, clearly they wanted Elton to throw a party in their store, that was good for them it sounded like what they wanted to do with the 140 guests or so that you had, who are, I, I'm guessing are all sort of either A-listers or, or well-heeled individuals that nobody knows but could buy a small or planet. Uh they wanted to Louis Vuitton wanted to showcase their product. So is that was that the kind of deal that was struck or did also Louis Vuitton want to promote the fact that Elton was having a party in their store in Rodeo Drive?
1: Well that's that party the Friday night party is always thrown by my company for Elton. So actually Elton never turns up on that. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. He turns up on the Sunday. He's never been to any of our Friday pre-parties. This party I literally just bring in the richest, most unknown people you'll ever meet. And so the, what the what's in it for Louis V is they got to mingle with 150 of the world's most powerful people, and they got to bring out those special little pieces that aren't often showcased anywhere else in the world. And as it's a flagship store, they've got like the, well, this is only one of three in the planet kind of items so when we left funny story when we left it was about 10 o'clock it started at seven thirty in the evening uh, we left at about ten thirty. as we we're all leaving the store and that's starting to lock up in the corner was one of our clients and i said to i said to uh, one of the, uh, the people that helped us put the party together with louie i went oh shall i go and get my client and they said we would prefer if you didn't because she started spending about an hour ago and has not stopped (laughs) and i said well hey if you're happy and so i went over and i said you're having a good time and she was like i'm having a wonderful time she was having a fantastic it was a pretty woman moment she literally she was being served champagne Mm. and just buying the store so the what's in it for client for a store like louis vuitton is bringing the right clientele introducing them to what is louis vuitton what does Louis Vuitton do? What makes him spectacular? What makes him stand out as a brand? So there was a lot of engagement and education for our clients on what Louis Vuitton actually is. And of course, a lot of our clients fell in love with that and then wanted to cement the uh, the, the relationship and the night of experience by going home with uh, two tonne of LV products.
0: Simzy. You never cease to amaze me, mate. Like you said earlier, what's next? Even you don't know, but I can't wait to find out. Uh, It's a great (laughs) story. I I know you've already written one book, The Art of Making Things Happen. It's awesome. You've got to – I'm sure there is a book at some point, isn't there, mate, where you are going to, uh, you know, change the names to protect the innocent but talk about all these incredible events and and interactions you've had with with, uh, interesting people along the way. That's in development, right? It's got to be careful
1: how you do it. So careful. Because let's be you know, I have a great relationship with the guy that took over the one at the academia. But um, every time I tell a story, I, I, I get a text or I get a little uh, a Facebook messenger or something like that going, "Oh, I heard the podcast. I'm I'm glad my my checkbook helped your stories." <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I it's, you've got to be a little bit careful because even though you may change the names, the people are going to know. So you can't reveal too much. Correct. Hey,
0: buddy, thank you. I will see you on the next episode of Wow coming down the line sometime in the next few weeks. Thanks
1: for having me, pal.
0: Love you. Well, there you go, team. Founder of the Bluefish, Steve Sims. If you've not read his book, Bluefishing, The Art of Making Things Happen, seriously, I suggest you do. Be sure to hang around after my top three attention grabbers as another listener shares what marketing is working for them and as a result wins big in the monster prize draw. But right now, here's my top three attention grabbers from our chat with Steve. Attention grabber number one. I love Steve's idea of having extreme self-awareness, knowing exactly how others will perceive you in certain situations, and then you can craft your approach accordingly. You know, it's a great idea. Don't assume people see you in a particular way. Think about the situation you're going to, think about how they are going to perceive you and craft your messages accordingly. Attention grabber number two, accept that building profitable relationships takes time. He didn't knock on Elton's door, And go, hey, good day, piano man. Oh, no, no, hang on, that's Billy Joel. Good day, rocket man. Um, I'm Simsy, can I do some work for you? No, it didn't work like that. He built it out over many, many months and years and finally nailed a client that I guess, if he does the good work like he does, he'll have Elton for many years to come. And what a great thing to be able to tell other prospects. Attention grabber number three, (coughs) respect the puppy Dobermans that may be in between you getting to the big daddy of them all. It's hard getting to the decision makers. I get that. But be patient. Respect the puppy Dobermans. Understand what it is that they're looking for and give it to them. And then you'll sort of progress your way through the chain and get to the Elton, whoever your Elton may be. That's what grabbed my attention, whatever grabbed yours, big, small, just be sure to block out some time in your diary and implement it. Please. Come on down. It's Timbo's Monster Prize Draw. Oh, I love that intro. It means that it's time to reward another motivated listener for taking some swift marketing action as a result of listening to this show. And today's winner is... Benjamin Forehand from War Inc. Manufacturing in Memphis, Tennessee. Let's have a look at the email. He says, G'day, Timbo. My wife and I run a side hustle clothing business called War Inc. That we hope turns into a main hustle. Yes, love it when a side hustle becomes a main hustle. Ever since I found your podcast on iTunes, I have been binge listening for weeks. Love a binge listener. I have notepads full of ideas ready to implement. I've already changed my email signature to include a promo code to our website. I saw that. I like your thinking there, uh, young Benjamin. As well as contact information. Yeah, great stuff. A good email signature. You know how I feel about that. We have also filmed our first interview with an expert in our field that we will post on Instagram. We just released a teaser for the interview and Instagram metrics said that our post – is doing 95% better than all our other posts. Well, that's good news. I can't wait to see the reaction from the actual interview. We get a lot of inquiries about how to start a clothing line and we have always wondered if we should charge for the consultations. Well, absolutely. Don't lose focus, though. You're kind of selling clothes. Why start being the kind of train-the-trainer type person yet? Maybe. It's a revenue stream, but... Maybe you should maintain focus. I'll leave that to you, but definitely charge. Don't give it away for free. After implementing your book, The Boomerang Effect, Timbo, we have seen these customers hire us to produce their line for them. (laughs) Nice. That's what being helpful does. Thank you for making the marketing gold. It is a real game changer for us. Benjamin Forehand, War Inc. Manufacturing, Memphis, Tennessee – your Ace Benjamin War. Inc. Here's the email. Of the uh, what is it? The website address: War well, Benjamin, you are all the way over in Memphis, so I can't send you stuff, but I am going to promote you on your show, on this show like I just have, and I'm going to give you a backlink, which I think is worth, but it's kind of priceless, over on the smallbusinessbigmarketing.com website. Thanks, buddy. Wish you all the luck. Uh, if anyone else would like to send me what's working for them in their business, Tim at timreid.com.au, timreid, and you may win hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of prizes. <laughs> That almost brings us to the end of episode 452, a reminder that you'll find plenty more where this came from on the Podcast One Australia app, and my entire archive is available at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Hey, next episode, we keep the celebrity theme going as we chat with Sophie Lovejoy, founder of fancy PJ brand, Santa Abel, who recently managed to get the Kardashians to wear her pajamas on air for free. That's a great story. If you're getting value from listening to this podcast, then please let other business owners know about it. It's presented by me, Timbo Reed, and cleverly pulled together by the extraordinary team at Podcast One Australia. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. Now get out there and take action.